0: listening to the up and under podcast starting in three
1: two one
0: yo hey, what's up guys welcome to the up and under podcast i'm your honey joined with me remotely is zishan yo all right man so we're pretty much at the all-star break or just coming upon it from the time that we're recording this episode and after the all-star break the next big event in the NBA calendar is the trade deadline. And, you know, this has been a pretty crazy season in the sense that, you know, we've had teams miss games due to the injury. You know, we've had some teams overachieve, some teams underperform. But the trade deadline has, has always been that time of the year where the true contending teams tend to load up for a playoff run. And the rebuilding teams tend to, you know, let go of guys or try to recoup some assets for expiring contracts or you know or try to get some draft capital or young assets you know for the rebuild so you know there's a lot of rumors going around, a lot of players who you know are in trade talks and so we kind of wanted to you know jump into that and give our kind of take on the trade situation and since now that we have an idea a good idea of the NBA landscape how people teams and players that performed, it's a good idea to kind of take a look at some of the players that could be moved by the trade deadline. And particularly, we are focusing on veteran players who we feel are going to be moved. Because, you know, if you're a veteran on a rebuilding team, you kind of enter on an expiring contract. You kind of are in a position where, you know, you would want to be moved to a contender. And, you know... Even if you're a vet with UCL on your contract, you might be want to be in better situations or a team might want to move on from you. So this season was kind of interesting where there's a lot of players in that boat. And uh, yeah, I think we just want to break down some vets that we feel were going to be moved by the deadline. Um, so the first one that I think we got we to gotta jump, get started with, and this one, it hits home. You know, it, it hurts a little bit more. To bring it up, just based on the fact that, you know, he's been our best player, the Raptors' best player uh, for the last eight years. He's been part of the most successful run in franchise history. He brought a championship to the city. Uh, but the first player that could, the first vet that could be moved by the deadline is Kyle Lowry. Now, he's been in trade rumors uh, as of recently. And a lot of it kind of stems w- because of the fact that he's on an expiring deal. And the Raptors aren't performing to the level of a championship contender. Uh, and Lowry being going to be going to be thirty-five this month, he's in a stage in his career where does he want to be in a rebuild or will he even resign with the Raptors? But this season, you know, he's av- he's still having a great season. He's averaging about eighteen points a game, six assists, six rebounds, shooting forty-seven percent from the field, forty percent from three. And he's established himself as the greatest Raptor of all time. That's hands down. Like, he's going to get a statue one day at Scotiabank Arena. He's going to get his jersey retired. All that stuff for Kyle Lowry. But it kind of just comes down to whether or not Kyle wants to move on. If Kyle Lowry isn't going to re-sign this offseason, it's in not only Kyle Lowry's interest, but the Raptors' best interest to look for a potential trade partner for him. Um... And he's still a very good player in today's game. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people really discredit some of the things that Kyle Lowry brings to a team. His numbers might not be the best, but you can't deny he's one of the most savvy, intelligent, you know, two way guard that we have in this league. You know, it's been fantastic for us as Raptor fans.
1: Yeah, like, um, in terms of what you were talking about, right, Kyle lowrys we all know it. at this point he's on an expiring contract, he's about to be 35, um, the Raptors are clearly going in a, di- a different direction right now, um, especially since they have their heir apparent in a guy like Fred VanVleet, now, for me personally, I've kind of made it known that, like, I don't really see Fred VanVleet as a successor to Kyle Lowry, because I feel, you know, the, the intent, like, the modes are similar, but in terms of their play style, they're not really, if you look at it, if you watch the games, they're not really similar in the type of style that they play. Um, I think there could be, even right now, you know, you look at the record, oh, they're whatever, 17-1 and one without Kyle Lowry in their last 18 games or whatever it is. And that doesn't really tell the full story because of how f- valuable Lowry actually is to the team in terms of his playmaking, um, his you know one thing he definitely does better than fred is his mid-range and his finishing um and again he is a much better playmaker than fred van vliet at this stage of his career right now so you know kyle lowry um despite the fact that you know people might think he's older or or washed up at this point that's clearly not the case he can definitely help a contending team right now um and if you were to join a one of the teams that honey is going to name out they would automatically be vaulted into serious contention status if they aren't already.
0: Yeah, I think you you, you kind of touched upon it uh, as far as the Raptors having a succession plan put in place now. Is Fred Van Vliet the same thing as Kyle, same player as Kyle? No, but they're very similar in makeup, and Fred is learning a lot from Kyle on some of the things that Kyle does well. Obviously, being in the being a you know uh I think he's like a fourteen fifteen year vet at this point in his career. Um. Just Lowry has that, you know, that knowledge that, you know, Fred at this stage in his career hasn't been able to get yet. He's not as experienced yet. And not to mention the Raptors have a nice young core to build around with Fred, Pascal, Norm, OG. So the Raptors have a young core and if Lowry wants to move on, there are going to be plenty of teams looking for that would love to acquire his services. The first team who we feel... It's probably one of the most likely teams to end up with to get to pull for a trade for Lowry. It'll be the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, this team has been heavily rumored to be linked to Lowry mainly because of Lowry's connection to Philly. He's from North Philadelphia. Uh, you know, he, he loves that, that city. He played for Villanova as well. and But Lowry would bring, you know, instantly help the Sixers out, you know, the Sixers have been clamoring for a traditional style point guard, Lowry is that, you know, he's that. he can create a shot, he can facilitate, he can also play some defense, and he can spread the floor for Embiid and Simmons, it's honestly a perfect fit, you know, and it sucks because the Sixers are within the Raptors division, so we'd have to see Kyle in another jersey a lot, but there's no denying the fit is definitely there with the Sixers, and... They have some assets to make it happen. Now, I think personally, they'd have to involve a third team. It's like there was ESPN actually brought up a a proposed trade, a three-team trade with the Raptors, Cavs, and uh, Sixers. You know, Lowry would end up in Philly. Raptors would kind of get Andre Drummond and Tyrese Maxi, a couple of firsts, and uh, the Cavs would get uh, Danny Green, Mike Scott. You know, salary filler. You know, one year, one year rentals, pretty much. Uh, And a second-round pick, obviously. So something like that, I think, would be the most appealing for the Raptors. But, yeah, the Sixers are the first team that comes to everybody's mind. And I think comes to Lowry's mind as well.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. It would be a perfect fit for Kyle Lowry. Um, You know, he would get to go back home. Um, And the Sixers, I think, for me, if they were able to pull that trade off, I think they would definitely be the to me to come out of the Eastern Conference. Um, one thing you didn't even talk about was uh, his ability to play off the ball, right? Um, yeah. If they want to have Ben Simmons control the ball, uh, which he's perfectly capable of doing because of his playmaking, his vision, you can have Kyle Lowry run off screens. You know, he can. He's shown that ability to be able to spread the floor for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So at this stage of of Kyle Lowry's career, he doesn't even have to take the ball handling duties. You have a guy like Ben Simmons. Who can handle the ball um, a good seventy percent of the time with Kyle Lowry in, and then obviously if Ben Simmons goes to the bench, now Kyle Lowry can run the show. He also has a guy like Shake Milton, um, who's one of my favorite players on the Sixers as well. So you know he he has definitely a bunch of good options if he were to able he if he were able to go to Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, one more point about the Sixers and Kyle Lowry that I have to mention is Kyle is a free agent. And obviously if he were to get traded, the team would be would have to have you know at least a possibility of re-signing Kyle. And I think Philadelphia has the best chance since Kyle's at a later stage of his career, and he'd be more inclined to re-sign with Philadelphia. So that also would help them, you know, let go of some assets a little bit more willingly uh for, for a move to be made. Uh the next team who has been linked to Kyle Lowry in the past just like every other former Raptor player because of the fact that Steve Ballmer and uh, Lawrence Frank can't come up with their own ideas. But it's the LA Clippers. Now, the Clippers have been needing a point guard for the last few seasons now with the Kawhi and PG experiment. Um, They haven't had luck getting one. Um, You know, the closest they came was Reggie Jackson and that didn't turn out great. Um, So Kyle Lowry would definitely Fix a lot of the issues that they have instantly creating a big three with him and, with Kawhi and PG and even they have Serge Ibaka as well. Not to mention Kyle Lowry has a familiar familiarity playing with Kawhi and Serge, you know, and he 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 just fits right in like it's a it's that missing piece that the, that the Clippers have been missing. And again, just like you said for the Sixers, you can easily see. Uh, the clippers being vaulted in as being the the favorite to come out of the western conference adding Kyle Lowry to the to the team the problem with the clippers acquiring lowry is how they would do it because the, the clippers really don't have a ton of assets that would intrigue the raptors to make a trade like that plus you know i think for the sanity of the raptors fan base i think the the raptors shouldn't make this move i mean alex wong has already talked about becoming the joker if lowry goes to the sixers goes to the clippers so uh you know uh, ju- just to keep everyone sane I th- I think uh, we should avoid this one but no denying the Clippers would be a-, a good fit for Kyle.
1: Yeah, the Clippers would be a good fit for Kyle. Um another relationship that he has is with Tyron Lue who he's very close with as well. So him and Tyron Lue would definitely be an instant uh great pairing together. Um for me, as a Raptors fan, I absolutely would hate it if he were to go to the Clippers because, like, bro, the Clippers need their own culture, right? I think Alex Wong was the one who talked about it. He was like, yo, the Clippers are literally just stealing the Raptors' culture. Um, yeah. They were, like, they were trying to make, like, a whole, like, meme about Sergi Ibaka and Scarves. It's like, yo, that thing's played out, bro. He doesn't have his co-partner in OG in LA, bro. Like, you can't, can't play out that whole meme after we already created it. You know, like, get your own culture. Problem is the Clippers have no culture. They're the little brother of LA. Um, they're the they're the brothers stuck in the basement, uh, in the shadow of the Lakers, right? So the Clippers are let's let's be real a poverty franchise. I'm not trying to go <laughs> off on the Clippers, but like it, it is what it is, man. Like they, they pissed me off with like their recruitment of Kawhi and then Serge Ibaka going there just was icing on the cake. And I hope they seriously don't win a championship. Um, you know, that's just me personally. <laughs> Didn't mean to go on a Clippers rant, but I mean, I'm a, I mean, I'm a pissed off Raptors fan, you know?
0: I mean, it is what it is, but, you know, I still got love for Kawhi uh, and Serge, but y'all done goofed, man. Y'all could have stayed here, won, won a bunch more rings, but, you know, I guess Hollywood's Hollywood. Uh, but, yeah, the final team who we feel would probably be another suitor for Kyle Lowry would be the Denver Nuggets. Now, the, Dug- the Nuggets would instantly, you know, create a big three with Lowry, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. It's a unique fit where, you know, now you can take some of the playmaking responsibilities off of Jamal Murray so he can become more of a scorer, which is more of his thing. Um, Then you have Lowry who can facilitate along with Jokic. That pick and roll with Jokic and Lowry would be absolutely deadly. Uh, And pair that with the fact that, you know, Denver has a lot of depth. They have good stability. They have a good core. Of, of of pieces, it's a very solid roster and team. Um, but similar to the to the Clippers, I just don't know how you know great the assets are going to be to intrigue the Raptors. Now, Denver does have some nice pieces, but you know it's definitely an interesting opportunity. And Denver does need a point guard, and Kyle Lowry could be that for them.
1: Yeah, Denver. I think from the asset point of view, I think I would be more optimistic. For- receiving assets from denver because of the fact that they do have a bunch of young players uh they do have a couple of draft picks if i'm not mistaken as well so from the asset point of view i think it would make a lot of sense for the raptors to do that trade um however in terms of the financial point of view i don't know how they would make it work uh probably gary harris off the top of my head would
0: be yeah, included he has in that to go. deal. Yeah,
1: yeah he would definitely be including that deal um and then
0: maybe will possibly barton will barton yeah
1: i was just yeah. gonna say will barton uh, to make the salaries work. So you know, unless unless a third team was added in, uh, but Denver's definitely an intriguing fit. I think. Um, and you know, it'd be very interesting to see Kyle Lowry in in the Nuggets for sure.
0: Yeah, but bottom line is, I mean, Kyle Lowry is at this crossroad in in his career where he can now decide his future. You know, wherever he wants to go, he can do. As Raptor fans, I personally do not want to see him go. I want him to retire as a Raptor, but you know, it comes down to what he wants, and he's earned that right to make that decision, so we'll see what happens with Kyle Lowry.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Now, moving on to the next player, and we're probably going to have to speed it up a bit, um, we have P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. Tucker, if you remember before the season, he was very frustrated with the Rockets' management, along with guys like James Harden and Eric Gordon, Um P.J. Tucker really wanted a new extension, and the Rockets and him were not able to agree to an extension, and pretty much since then, he's been pissed off, and, um, you know, rightfully so, I would say, because of the fact that he's been asked in Houston to carry a lot of the weight, um, and especially, for example, having to play the center position, which is very taxing for a guy that's legitimately, like, what, 6'5", right? He is a brick house, maybe. but... Yeah, like he is—he is like a brick house, but like, dude, he's six five. You know, like even if he is like two two thirty pounds of like full muscle, that's a tough ask for a guy that's PJ Tucker's height. You right? can't teach
0: height. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. You,
1: can't. you you can't do anything about it, right? And um, given his work, and given the fact that he was—he's been the best corner three point shooter for the past like two three years or whatever so it is. Money from there, right? Yeah. So. He wanted that new contract, and Houston was at a point where they're like, "Yo, we gotta trade James Harden. We might as well just start rebuilding at this point, right?" And so there's no point of giving a guy like PJ Tucker, um, a contract, especially the fact that, um, you know what, when the evidence points to, as a lot of also executives around the league believe that PJ Tucker at this point in his career is watched, um, and the evidence does not exactly refute them when he's averaging four and a half points a game, 4.7 rebounds, shooting 37% from the field, and especially 32% from three. Now, we've seen players and veterans especially, who when they go to a championship caliber roster, they completely rebound and improve massively from where they were at. Case in point, a guy like Nick Batum, who we thought might have been done, and then went to Clippers and completely revived his career, right? So, P.J. Tucker definitely has... I think the ability to do that, given his veteran leadership and uh, the experience that he has, but at this point in his career, it's clearly not going to happen with the Houston Rockets, and the Rockets need to be able to trade him, um, especially again, also the fact that he is on an expiring contract for $8 million, so I think it's in the best interest of everyone for, for both parties to you know just move on at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, PJ Tucker is just one of those vets uh, that every championship team would want. You know, he, you know, he works hard. He plays defense. You know, he, you know, he fits the modern scheme. You know, he, you know, he's he's just that that workhorse type of player that, that a lot of teams would want. And but I think it does make sense at the end of the day where the direction Houston's going in and the direction PJ wants to go in are in opposite directions. So. It does make sense for Houston to kind of look for a trade for him, especially because the market for P.J. Tucker is going to be there. A lot of teams are going to be interested in him, and his contract is very tradable.
1: Yeah, um, and even if at this point he doesn't provide the encore value that he once did for Houston um, or for Phoenix, you know, his veteran leadership and his voice in the locker room will definitely be a big asset for any championship contending team.
0: He got DeMar to play defense.
1: Exactly, yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, so I think his voice in any locker room would be very important for a championship contending team. Now, a number of teams have expressed interest, for example, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Miami Heat have all expressed interest in PJ Tucker. Um, now, in terms of what they can do to trade for him, because of the fact that, again it's not just about pj tucker it's about the houston rockets and what they want so for that fact um you know the lakers i think would definitely love to have him uh same thing with the brooklyn nets i think he would be very ideal fits with them however you know houston won't be able to receive much on that end from those two teams so i think in that case i don't know about um you know his chances landing with those two teams
0: yeah, I mean it does make sense. I mean, they don't really have the assets. They've kind of put all their eggs into competing this year, so yeah, I, I agree. Like the, although they would love to have PJ, but I don't see the Lakers or the Nets making a move. Even the Bucs, for instance.
1: Yeah, the Bucs I don't think either. Um, just based on what they already did this off season, um, and the, you know, massive amount of ros- roster shifting that they've had to do in asset uh parting that they've had to deal with I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks are in a realistic position to trade for him. Um but one team that I think is very interesting and one, uh this team has been linked to a number of other players as well is the Miami Heat. Now the Miami Heat would likely have to part ways with uh Kelly Olynyk's contract or Andre Iguodala's contract. Um or possibly, you know, involve going Drogic, though I think they would want to keep Drogic. But they would definitely have to give up one of those, you know, higher-end contracts. Um, even a guy like Myers Leonard, though, again, Myers Leonard is injured. So, you know, the rules surrounding that could be a bit tricky. But I think Miami would definitely be a very ideal fit for P.J. Tucker. You know, that that work, that, that blue-collar mentality that P.J. Tucker has and... It, it, it's a perfect mesh with the identity that Pat Riley in Miami seeks to create, right, with that, that blue-collar mentality and that workhorse workhorse mentality. Um, and so I think if there was any team I would say that had a good chance of landing a guy like P.J. Tucker, I think the Miami Heat would probably be the most ideal fit for both sides.
0: Yeah, not not to mention, like, Miami also has a couple of young guys. You know, they have, obviously, the title hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. They also have, like, Casey power. Uh, They have uh, Max Druss, who they found out of nowhere. And, Precious uh, Achua. Precious Achua. So they have some nice young pieces that they could even throw into a potential P.J. Tucker deal to give at least Houston an asset uh, as well. So, yeah, I think Miami would probably be the most likely suitor. But, again, a lot of teams can go after P.J. Tucker because he fits on a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, PJ Tucker is definitely a vet who could probably be on the move this offseason, which brings us to another player who is pretty much all but certain to be moved in some sort of fashion this by the trade deadline, and it's Andre Drummond. Now we talked about him a couple of a few episodes ago where the the Cavs were like, "Look, we're just going to sit you uh until we find a deal to move you or buy you out." Uh, now, Drummond's averaging about 17 points a game, 13 rebounds, 2 assists per game, shooting 47% from the field, getting about 1.2 blocks a game. You know, and he's putting up solid numbers. I mean, contract year for Andre Drummond, what did you expect? Um, and there's no doubt that Andre Drummond is one of the best rebounding bigs in this league, man. He's, like, amazing glass cleaner. Um, but, man, his contract is massive. Like, he's making $29 million this season. And... For a player that, to be honestly, to be honest, it's pretty one-dimensional. You know, he's not that great of a defender. Although, again, he can be, he can be a solid rim protector if he actually puts in the effort, uh, and he's a good, very good rebounder or, or a lob threat. That's basically what what you're getting with Andre Drummond. Um, and so the fact that he's being paid twenty nine million dollars, it's a tough pill for a lot of teams to swallow, uh, making a move or giving up assets for that. So. In my opinion, I think most likely case would be Drummond would get bought out. Unless a team with cap space is willing to take on that salary, uh, I I don't really know which one would. But yeah, most likely I, I would assume Drummond would be bought out.
1: Yeah, so it is an expiring deal. So that's probably the one saving grace for his contract movability. Is it? Um, I mean, like that's probably like that's the only thing that's actually. possible. You have to
0: give up conference. assets still for that to match that yeah, salary. So
1: Um. Exactly, and that's why I don't. As you said, I don't think uh, it's very likely that he'll be traded because I don't think a team would want would want to part with assets for a guy like Drummond, who we know puts up all NBA stats consistently, but has the impact of like a role player, or, or honestly, even worse because of the fact that he demands you know the capabilities of a star player whereas if you look at his impact it's not he doesn't really make an impact on the court or it's a negative impact right and you can ask you can ask Cavs fans about that how they feel about him and how much they hate him right now right yeah. so Andre Drummond does not warrant anybody trading for him especially with that huge deal that he has right now um and yeah so exactly for for that fact he will most likely be bought out if the Cavaliers cannot find a trade partner for him.
0: Yeah, not to mention when you when you factor in that Drummond, I mean, one thing I could say about Drummond is that he has been on some pretty bad teams for the la- for his whole career like Detroit and Cleveland now. He's never really been on a winning team, so yes, he does he put up empty stats. Yes, but that could also be a product of what the, the team around him and the, the you know the environment that he's in. But if he does get bought out, there are some te- a lot of teams who would be interested in his services. First of which, and this is the team that has been heavily linked to him, is the Brooklyn Nets. Because the Brooklyn Nets need every single player in the world to win a championship. Um, but, I mean, again, Brooklyn needs a big man. You know, they need another center. Uh, Drummond would come in and fill a void for them. And honestly... It, it just helps Brooklyn continue to load up for a championship it basically almost guarantees a championship but uh, you know that's just my opinion because Brooklyn seems to need everybody to win
1: yeah like Andre Drummond if you were to go to the Brooklyn Nets I don't know how much help he would give them on the defensive side of the ball right because of the fact that Brooklyn Brooklyn doesn't have a weakness on offense right they're, they're, they, their liabilities are not on offense. It's their defense that is struggling, right? Um, though, again, they've started to average out on that side of the ball, too. So, if if they were con- able to continue to have an average defense with the type of offense that they have, hey, man, like, they could just march right to the Larry O'Brien trophy, right? But um, going back to Andrew Drummond, in terms of impact on defense, I don't know how much he would help, but... You know, he does provide them rebounding. He does provide them just another big dude um on the back line, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, DeAndre Jordan is a bit washed at this point. Uh, Nick Claxton is, I would say he's a nice young player, but, you know, given his, given his inexperience, I don't know how much you would be able to rely on him in the playoffs. So adding another guy to just shore up that depth, I think would really help the Brooklyn Nets.
0: Yeah, again, the rich get richer is with it's the thing the deal with the Brooklyn Nets. The next team who who could who has also been linked I've been interested in Andre Drummond has been the Toronto Raptors. Now the Raptors and their center problems has been probably the biggest issue they've had this entire season. Now it started to get a little bit better, you know, Baines uh, you know establishing a role off the bench, uh Boucher, you know, still playing great. But there's still that one that need for the Raptors to lock up, or at least find the future of the center position, um, at least for the short term, or even to eventually find a long-term solution. You know, Boucher is great, but there's certain matchups where Chris just doesn't, you you, you can't put, expect to put Chris Boucher in there and have him succeed. Um, so obviously, they've ha- they showed interest in acquiring Drummond. Uh, If he does get bought out, it'd definitely be an interesting pickup, especially considering the fact that the Raptors do need a center, but also the fact that the Raptors are a very stable organization, and if Drummond wants to play and make an impact rather than going to pursue the championship, you know, because again, he's still playing for another contract, it might make sense to go play in Toronto, kind of help your image out, kind of play in a winning system, winning culture, and reestablish yourself that way, because I definitely think that some of Drummond's deficiencies has been... Lack of coaching, lack of stability, you know, lots of losing. So the Raptors are definitely an interesting one. Um again, if I was the Raptors, I would not never trade for that contract. But yeah, if if he's if he's a free agent, why not? I don't mind signing him.
1: Yeah, like if there's any guy that can get the most out of Andre Drummond and help turn him into a winning player, I think Nick Nurse would definitely be that guy. Um also, you know, for the Raptors and their interest in Andre Drummond, it's Purely for one reason, one reason only, and that's rebounding. The Raptors are by far the worst rebounding team in the league, right? Um, it's it's horrendous to watch them on a nightly basis try to rebound the ball. It makes no sense um, either. Yeah, they are absolutely terrible on the glass, right? And so if you were able to get a guy who's probably the greatest rebounder of his generation, um, probably the best rebounder we've seen in the last 10 years or so, um, then, you know, the Raptors would definitely... Uh, be happy with that. Again, not trading for him, but, you know, uh, getting him off, like, waivers or whatever, you know, off, off the open market, I think would definitely be ideal.
0: Especially because the Raptors are a transition team, so just having a guy who can just rebound and give you that outlet would work so well for this team. Uh, And the last team who, who could be interested in Andre Drummond would be the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, with Anthony Davis getting hurt, the Lakers do need some depth on at the center position. Um... And Drummond could definitely step in. He could be cheap and help them win. And, he and you know, who knows? Drummond could potentially win a championship with the Lakers uh, if things go well. So, that's definitely an option. Again, I don't know how much interest the Lakers have in Drummond, but he definitely would help them, especially with, with AD going down with an injury.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Lakers have been looking for that third center they could use, right? They signed Dam- Damian Jones recently. Um so, you know, like, Andre Drummond would, I guess, help in that respect, but in terms of his actual on-court production and what it would mean for the Lakers and what the Lakers actually need, right, I, it doesn't, I, I don't really see it happening uh, for the Lakers point of view, to be honest.
0: Yeah. So, Andre Drummond, definitely another player who is almost certainly going to be on the move uh, come this trade deadline. Which brings us to another veteran player who is probably on the move, especially considering how much he's been shot this season. Uh, it's J.J. Redick. Uh J.J. Redick, I mean, he's not having the greatest of seasons as far as numbers-wise, but, you know, he's averaging, what, 8 points, 2 rebounds, and assists. Typical J.J. Redick stuff. You know, he man, man's a shooter, yo. Uh, but he's shooting 39% from the field, 37% from three. You know, he did have a rough start to the season, you know, but he slowly kind of, coming back into the JJ Reddick that we all know, you know, that sharpshooter, that you know, that guy who practically never misses, especially when he plays the Raptors at the beginning of the season. Yep. But again, JJ we've all seen what JJ Reddick can do. You know, he's he can still perform. He can still come up big in in uh in big moments. And uh, you know, a lot of teams would definitely be interested in him, especially considering the Pelicans have already shopped him uh, a couple of times already, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do pull the trigger on a trade uh, for JJ Redick.
1: Yeah, like um, I think I think we might have already talked about him in our previous trade video uh, a couple of episodes ago. But um, like JJ Redick, every every contending team pretty much is trying to get him, um, and for good reason. You know, we talked about he did have that slow start to the season, but JJ Redick we know is a veteran um and veterans come up big in big moments as you said right and and the playoff experience that he brings um and his ability to you know find his groove in those playoff moments i think will be a big thing for any contender that's able to get him um and for that reason pretty much like every team that's trying to run for a championship right now um is rumored to be um wanting his services
0: yeah speaking of i mean like speaking of the championship teams the first one is the Brooklyn Nets because once again they need every single player to win a championship. Um, so the Nets would obviously they've been interested in signing JJ Redick since I mean they're they're going all in you know they're going all in for the championship they're pushing all the chips to the table so why not at JJ Redick? Also one other you know at least incentive for JJ Redick would be that besides chasing a championship he gets to play with DeAndre Jordan who he's had chemistry with you know that uh, pick and roll that pick and roll handoff. For, has worked well for JJ Reddick in the past. You know, Brooklyn can kind of recreate that again uh for them. So that's definitely an option for for JJ Reddick Um cuz Brooklyn needs everybody to win.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean JJ Reddick would definitely be a seamless fit for them. Um in terms of again, what do they actually need? They don't really need offense. I would say especially when you have shooters like joe harris who is one of the best shooters in the league and then you have one of the i think better shooters coming off the bench in tlc timothy luau cabro um so again they i don't i don't necessarily think they need him but you know why not if they were able to get him why not do it
0: i could see an entire lineup where they'll just put out you know what screw it they'll just put the uh, james harden jj reddick a uh, joe harris uh tlc and why not throw in kevin Durant at center
1: I mean, or you could just put Kyrie Irving instead of DLC. You
0: could you could do that too, but I was I was trying to be a little bit more like, you know what, let's go shooters all around. <laughs> you know well, I
1: mean, Kyrie is... What's Kyrie shooting like 45% from three this season, so... I mean, I Ky- mean but Kyrie's way. more of a
0: pull-up three shooter. You know, I'm looking more at a like catch-and-shoot. But you get the idea. Brooklyn will tinker with stuff. But yeah, Brooklyn is definitely the, the first team that has been linked to JJ Redick. Another team is the is a team that definitely misses him and uh probably shouldn't have let him go. It's the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh obviously JJ has had a history with the Sixers. You know, he's he has familiarity with them. You know, he and, and Embiid have shown great chemistry, similar to how him and DeAndre Jordan had that chemistry with the pick and roll handoff um in the past. You know, and plus Philly can use all the spacing they can get. They already know that, you know, they need spacing with Embiid and Simmons and Reddick being familiar with their with their system and play style, and you know, fills the need for their team. I think is definitely a good idea for the Sixers to go after JJ again.
1: Yeah, the Seven Sixers were definitely missing JJ Redick last year. I think the addition of Steph, uh, not Steph, the addition of Seth Curry um, has definitely, I think, alleviated a lot of that concern on their part. But, you know, as you're talking about, another guy that's, like, familiar with the players there, um, familiar with Ben Simmons, has great chemistry with Joel Embiid on his handoff actions. So, you know, him going there and reuniting with some of those guys would definitely be uh, a great pickup for Philly. And, again, you have your primary, I think, three-point shooter in Seth Curry. So, for J.J. Redick at this stage in his career, he doesn't have to be asked to be the number one three-point shooter on that team anymore. Um, He can be another backseat guy while Seth Curry, I think, takes that role.
0: Yeah, and the final team who, honestly, I think should be the favorite to go after J.J. Redick, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, The Bucks, you know, we talked about them in last week's episode. Definitely check that out if you haven't done so, where we determine if the Bucks are contenders or pretenders. One of the biggest holes the Bucks definitely have is that they don't really have role players who can step up and consistently you know, give them points or give them production. Uh, getting a guy like J.J. Redick will definitely help them in that regard. You know, he can spread the floor, especially if you're they're trapping the paint on Giannis. Giannis can kick it out to J.J. J.J. can you know go nuts and shoot however many threes he wants. And I think he's the type of veteran, veteran savvy player that can help a younger Bucks team ascend uh, deeper into the playoffs. So
1: yeah, I yeah. think he could definitely um, fit that. If we remember, you know, what Mike Boonholzer did with Kyle Corver, right, in Atlanta, J.J. Redick, I think, would definitely fit a similar type of role under Mike Boonehoser. Um And, you know, you could see J.J. Redick flourish next to especially a rim runner like Giannis Antetokounmpo and then secondary scorers like Drew Holiday and Chris Milton.
0: Yeah, I mean, but again, I mean, that to me, I like the that the going to the box the best one. But J.J. Redick would is most likely going to be on the move by the trade deadline. Yeah,
1: um another guy that we have I think that has not been maybe talked enough just because of the fact that he's not one of the bigger names in the league. But he's definitely one of the I think most valuable players for especially what his contract is right now. Um and that's Evan Fournier Evan Fournier. Um now Evan Fournier is currently averaging eighteen and a half points a game, three point eight assists, shooting forty five percent from the field and thirty-seven point one percent from three um now as i was talking about his contract evan fournier is currently on an expiring contract it is a 17 million dollar contract so you know there could be some a little bit of difficulty there but evan fournier nonetheless is a guy that you know you don't have to resign a guy that won't be on your books a guy that can handle the ball a guy that can shot create for himself as well as you know assists for other people he is he is nearly at four assists a game and that's with the, you know, just terrible team that the Orlando Magic have had. and Him being able to average four assists um, in his role, I think is pretty great. And then not to mention scoring ability, right? That's, that's the best part about his game. Um, the fact that he can score at all three levels, I think is great. Um, and, you know, even if he was just asked to be more of a spot-up shooter in his next role on whatever team that uh, he goes to, you know, he can do that as well. He is a, he is shooting thirty seven uh point one percent from three right now. So even if you were to ask him to take the ball out of his hands a bit, he can, he can do that uh very well.
0: Yeah. I mean, ironically, you know, from our last trade episode that we, we did, we actually took uh, Evan Fournier out of our, of our notes because, you know, we just felt like, you know, there were other players who we could have talked about, but Evan Fournier is definitely one of those underrated guys who, you know, could definitely help any a lot of teams out. You know, he he can score, he can facilitate, you know, he can create his own shot um, and spread the floor. So, obviously, he's he's a great commodity. I think at this stage in his career, I think him and the Magic need to kind of part ways. And like you said, there's going to be a lot of suitors for, for, for services. Now, his contract might be a little bit on the higher side, but it's not as bad or not... As difficult to move.
1: Yeah, um, and for for the reasons that you just gave to, I I don't see a contender like a, a like a solidified contender probably going to get him just because of. You know, like, he's a very good player that I don't think a contender would be able to just integrate that easily. Not to mention the fact that it is a $17 million contract, well, a right? a
0: good team, like a fringe team is what, I'm, what I was yeah. trying to do.
1: Yeah, so a fringe, like a, a very good team. So we have a couple of teams right here. Now, the first team is, I think, they do consider themselves a contender. Um, I don't know if we would necessarily consider them a, like, solidified contender.
0: Not But year. they
1: do, I they... The point is that they themselves believe that they are contenders. um, And a guy like Evan Forney could definitely help them get over the hump in that regard. And I'm talking about the Miami Heat. Now, similar to what I said about... uh, Who was it? Oh, PJ Tucker. Um, Evan Forney, I think, would definitely help the Miami Heat um, in their championship pursuit. He would give them another playmaking score off the bench. um, And especially, you know, with, with the veteran experience that he has. Now, again, uh, a deal for Evan Fournier would definitely have to involve either Kelly Olenek or Andre Iguodala's contract uh, because of the fact that, again, Evan Fournier is making $17 million a season. So you would definitely have to give up one of those guys um, who are already rotation pieces for you. But in terms of what the upside you're getting from Evan Fournier is, I think at this stage in Andre Godal's career I would probably you know I would definitely likely have Evan Fournier over him and then you know Evan Fournier I think is more uh, he can do more than Kelly Olynyk can um, especially given the fact that Kelly Olynyk will be a negative in the playoffs because of his defense especially next to Bam Adebayo so you would you would want another guy who can facilitate and create for himself next to Bam Adebayo rather than a guy in Kelly Olynyk who's a bit of more of a spot up shooter.
0: Yeah, I mean Miami's a, Miami's a good fit for him. Honestly, he is a good complementary piece to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You know, he can kind of spread the floor and create his own shot. Especially him next to Dragic, that's a very like savvy kind of backcourt that you have going on there. And Then, not to mention you got the young the young pieces as well to make a deal happen and the veteran contract. So Miami could definitely. Make a deal with Orlando for this. Now, how willing would Orlando be to trade at Fournier within the division? You're like, literally, like, <laughs> like not even, like, a, maybe like a two-hour drive away. I don't know how likely they are to do that. Um, but I think
1: it's like three hours.
0: Yeah, roughly, something like that. But, you know, again, it definitely is a good fit for Miami and Fournier. Uh, and I think Orlando would actually get a good deal off of them as well. Uh, it's just a matter of how likely would it be to happen. Who really knows and what would Miami
1: going? be willing to give up? You know, we, we talked about guys like Precious Achua, um, you know, for example, like Duncan Robinson. Like, what would Miami realistically be willing to give up in that regard? Um, we've heard that, you know, Miami views Precious Achua as Bam out of bio number two, right? So I don't think they would be willing to player. give him up. He's I'm- a very good player. He's a very good player. Um, so, yeah, Miami, in that regard, also has to consider what they want to give up as well. Yeah. Another team that could be, um, you know, willing to trade for Evan Fournier is the Indiana Pacers. Now, the Indiana Pacers, I think, have kind of been at that same spot for the last few years at this point, right? That, that fringe playoff team that can make some noise in the beginning stages of the playoffs, but are not talented enough to get over the hump. Now Indiana is a smaller market franchise as well, so it, it like they could just be content with you know being at that stage, but um, you know like if they are content to be at that stage, another guy that they could get is Evan Fournier, and he would just help solidify their playoff position, I guess, even more. Um, Now, again, they would probably have to involve either Doug They would have to involve Doug McDermott's contract and probably one of uh, Jeremy Lamb or TJ Warren. So, in that regard, it is a marginal upgrade for the Indiana Pacers. It's not a huge upgrade. It is a smaller upgrade, though. But Evan Fournier represents, I think, more consistency than any of those three guys that Indiana currently has. So, you know, I mean... Again, it's not a perfect uh, scenario for either side, but I think it's definitely one that could work.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, he fits Indiana's culture and style. Now, like you said, like will it actually happen? Will Indiana want to move? Because it, it kind of seems like a lateral move for them. Um, who really knows? But, you know, it definitely would work out for them, especially when Nate... Uh, with uh, Nate Bjorkman and his system, you know, it's free-flowing. It kind of fits with Evan for- with Evan Fournier does very well. So I definitely think, uh, you know, you know, Fournier going there would definitely be a, be a good help for them as well.
1: Yeah, and then the final team we have uh, for Evan Fournier is the Golden State Warriors. Now, I think I talked about this in the previous episode we did. I might have. I'm not sure. But I think Evan Fournier would definitely be a nice fit for the Warriors, considering the fact that they need that secondary shot creation and scoring next to Steph Curry. Uh, We've seen how reliant they are on Steph Curry, um, and especially when Draymond Green is out of the lineup, like Draymond Green is literally the difference between them being a playoff team and them being a bottom feeder, right? So, Draymond Green at this stage in his career is going to miss a couple of games, so... Especially when that happens, you want a secondary guy like Evan Fournier who can at least help alleviate some of the tension for Steph Curry in the offense. Yeah. Um, Now, a move would definitely have to involve probably Kelly Oubre's contract because if you go down the board for Golden State's roster, uh, there's not much they can do in the way of trading for Evan Fournier besides Oubre's contract. So a deal would definitely have to involve him. Now, are they willing to part with Kelly Oubre um, he is also on an expiring contract, but you know he has been playing much better in the past, you know, few months. So it, it, it depends on what they want to do with Kelly Oubre. Um, I think for me personally, I would definitely take it Evan Fournier over Kelly Oubre. But you know, again, it all depends on what the Orlando Magic will want out of the Golden State Warriors and what the Golden State Warriors will be willing to part with.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like we said in the in, in the last trade episode, where we think like Fournier would definitely be a good fit for the Warriors, especially he's a good complement to, uh, Steph and Clay Thompson because you know Draymond his offensive game has kind of, you know, regressed a lot, you know, but his defensive impact is still there. But I think the Warriors definitely need that third op scoring option, and I think, uh, you know, getting that from Fournier and then maybe even you know splitting that with Wiggins makes the Warriors a pretty dangerous team. Uh, As a whole, and like you said, if the price is giving up Kelly Kelly Oubre Jr. and maybe a few draft picks, might be worth might be worth the cost to get a player that could definitely help you get back and get back and start competing again in the Western Conference.
1: Not to mention the fact that if Evan Fournier does feel like um you know he can win a championship soon with Golden State Warriors, he might just resign with them for a uh, a more feasible contract. So that's definitely an option that Golden State could definitely explore as well.
0: Yeah. But yeah. But those were the main players who we who we kind of feel are going to be traded traded or moved by the trade deadline. Let us know what you guys think. Agree or disagree. Uh, where do you think these players are going to be moved to if they are going to be moved? Now we do have some honorable mentions that we kind of want to touch upon quickly. Obviously, we're not going to dive too heavily into them. First player of which is Hassan Whiteside. Uh, you know, Whiteside. You know, he's kind of just on the Kings because there was no other suitors for him. Um, I think a team that needs a center would probably make a move and, and go and go to acquire him. He's pretty cheap to get. So, like, the, a Lakers, a Raptors, maybe even Dallas would probably go after him. But uh, Hassan Whiteside is definitely a player that I could, we could see on the move uh, this trade deadline.
1: Yeah, Hassan Whiteside, like, the, 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 the question with him has always been his effort. Or, you know, just his IQ, right? But you put him on a championship contending team, especially a team where he's not asked to do much outside of his role and what he's good at, then I think you can see a guy like Hassan Whiteside really flourish, especially when you surround him with veterans like the Raptors have, or especially like the Lakers have, and the Lakers have reportedly been trying to get him. Obviously, if you put LeBron in front of him, like, bro, Hassan Whiteside isn't going to mess around with LeBron there, right? So. Um, yeah, if you're asking Hassan Whiteside to just stick to what he does best, I think he could definitely be a big boost for a championship contender or just a you know a, a regular good playoff team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Hassan Whiteside definitely an honorable mention for us. The next one is Harrison Barnes. Uh, you know, Harrison Barnes. You know, he signed that massive contract. Shout out to Harrison Barnes' agent for getting him another 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 That's- big contract. Um, you know, but, you know, he's still a solid player, you know, gets about 16 a game, six rebounds. He can, he can still provide, uh, you know, a championship team or even like a good, a good playoff team. Uh, for sure. I think the only roadblock is his contract. You know, he's making uh, about $38 million over the next two seasons. Um, but, you know, so it might be difficult to make a trade for him, but he would definitely be, uh, a good player, uh, for, for a lot of teams. You know, a couple that come to mind is the Boston Celtics. You know, kind of re- replicate that Gordon Hayward ro- role that they that they lost. You know, the Chicago Bulls could also definitely use some secondary scoring, uh, and even the Dallas Mavericks can surprisingly, who traded Harrison Barnes away, could reacquire him back. <laughs>
1: yeah uh the the most linked team i think to him has been the boston celtics in terms of what they want uh they pretty much want gordon hayward number two and harrison barnes can fulfill a lot of that you know that two-way type of player um dallas would probably have to involve james johnson josh richardson's contracts to make it work but you know as you were saying harrison barnes like he would be he would be a great fit for any team the problem is his massive contract right he's worth 30 he's worth like 20 million dollars next season and then 18 million dollars the season after right so it's gonna be very difficult to trade him um but again if the celtics for example are desperate enough and feel that this is the year for them to try and go for it then you know maybe they will be able to put a package together for him though it would likely need a third team to be able to have it
0: yeah so yeah now finally a few last uh few honorable mentions that Again, who we feel are going to be tr- moved, but we just don't know where or how they're going to be moved. First of which is Blake Griffin. He's obviously in a similar boat as Andre Drummond. Um, most likely he's going to be bought up, but that's a lot of money that the Pistons are going to have to eat uh, in salary. Next player is JaVale McGee. Mo- similar situation to Hassan Whiteside where he's, a, he's a, you know, a decent veteran center who, if a team needs a center, could acquire for the cheap. Uh, next one is Buddy Heald who... Is a little interesting, especially considering the Kings are, garb- uh, you know, absolutely garbage this, this season. And Buddy is kind of expensive for what he is, especially with the emergence of Tyrese Halliburton. How valuable is Buddy Heald? You know, that who really knows? And, I think uh, uh, Buddy Heald is like
1: the odd man out at this point. Again, yeah. as we were talking about, Tyrese Halliburton's emergence has definitely put I think, Buddy Heald in the spotlight.
0: Yeah. And uh, finally, it's Victor Oladipo. Now, Oladipo just got to Houston, but he is on an expiring deal. And let's say if he doesn't want to resign in Houston, Houston might be inclined to trade him. Um, and again, I've said it. I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. I think the Raptors should go after Victor Oladipo. Dishan disagrees, but, uh, you know, I think there are going to be suitors for Oladipo, but uh, Houston could potentially move him if they feel like he's not going to resign. Might as well go recoup some assets for him, uh, while you can. But yeah, those were kind of uh, the 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 players who we feel are going to be moved by the deadline. Definitely let us or know what Or could be. Or could be moved. You know, no, nothing's for sure in the NBA. But definitely let us know what you guys think. Do you agree or disagree? Who do you think is going to be moved? Where do you think they're going to be moved, and why? Let us know. Uh, and finally, to conclude this week's episode. Uh, we want to jump into the up and under segment. A couple of new, a couple of headlines we want to we want to talk about. The first of which, are you up or under on the on Victor Oladipo? Apparently, turning down a two-year, forty-five million-dollar extension from the Houston Rockets. Now, the Rockets obviously are you know just traded for Oladipo in the James Harden deal. Would like to re-sign him to pair him with John Wall and Christian Wood for the next few seasons. And this is the most amount of money they are able to offer him at this time, but he turned it down.
1: Yeah, so um, I think I'm um, speaking of Victor Oladipo to your point where you're talking about him before. Um, I think I'm up for uh, I'm up on it from his perspective. The biggest thing Victor Oladipo wants right now is uh, long-term security, especially given his injury history, right? So he wants a longer contract. Obviously, Houston's not able to give him that. Um, though I think they're able to give him that in the offseason. so they still have a chance to be able to re-sign him. But Victor Oladipo, like how likely, how how much does he want to sign with a team like Houston who's clearly at the rebuilding phase, right? I don't know how likely it is that he will want to resign. I mean, if he wants like good playing time and uh, good opportunity, then, you know, Houston could definitely be an intriguing option, especially with, you know, him, John Wall and uh, Christian Wood being there. That would definitely be an intriguing team, to say the least. But, you know, especially for the situation that he's in right now, I think it makes all the sense in the world for him to decline that uh, extension from the Houston Rockets. And even the Houston Rockets reportedly were, you know, understanding of it. Um, and Victor Oladipo himself was very appreciative of it. appreciative of it. Um, but again, it just didn't make sense for his side.
0: Yeah, I also think uh, he should wait because you might want to see what Houston does in the offseason. If they're able to move and free up some more salary, because again, you're not paying James Harden forty million dollars anymore. Uh, so you you definitely have some caps because they're gonna kind of restructure the roster. So definitely would wait and kind of see what happens. Uh,
1: next up, uh, are you up or under on the Atlanta Hawks recently firing their head coach Lloyd Pierce? Um, Nate McMillan has reluctant reluctantly become the interim head coach. Now, the players were reportedly uh supportive of the move as well as other executives in the organization so are you up or under on this firing
0: i'm actually kind of under on the firing i actually really like lloyd pierce as a coach i think he's the type of guy the culture culture setting guy who you know he's he's a good coach like i greg popovich even even spoke very highly of him um and i think he's he he definitely got shit on by his players because of especially Trey Young, I was really disappointed in the fact that this guy literally, like you know, sh- you know, basically shit all over his coach on the way out, which is like, so you so basically you're blaming your shit play on your coach, which again was Lloyd Pierce perfect? No, you know there were some things, the questionable things he could have done, but also it wasn't Lloyd Pierce's fault that his team couldn't play, play a lick of defense last year. You know his, that a lot of defense is effort, and if his team is not doing it, there's blame to go around there. And even this year, you know, a lot of the flaws come from the fact that there are, there are players who play a certain play style and aren't willing to change. Although even Lloyd Pierce can try his best to put players in positions to succeed. If a guy like Trey Young only re- re- refuses to do anything else except take uh, half court jumpers, what do you want? What do you want anyone to do? You know, you know, you're you're wasting a guy like John Collins. You're you're not utilizing your guys properly in that case. So. I, I didn't like the way they handled it. Now, obviously, like, do I think he should have been fired? Maybe. You know, they underperformed. Um, they it, probably could have waited to the offseason. But, again, I just didn't like the way the Hawks players and management handled this firing.
1: Um. So, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Uh, like, I'm not on that last part. I, I would agree that, you know, they could have handled the situation better. But in terms of Lloyd Pierce being fired, I think I'm up on it. Um... I am two of three right now. I called before the season started that Ryan Saunders, Lloyd Pierce and Scott Brooks would be fired. Uh, I might want to add right Luke Walton out... to that Oh yeah, Luke Walton that's what I yeah. add Luke Walton to two, the two out of four right now for me. Um, so I I literally said Lloyd Pierce was going to be fired by the halfway point of the season. I could see it coming. Do you
0: have like a hit list or something? No
1: I just I, I, I paid attention I paid a little bit of attention to the Atlanta Hawks last year. And clearly his relationship with guys in the locker room was not ideal. Um I don't think he was very good as a head coach. Uh just me watching Atlanta games and I've seen a lot of Atlanta fans agree with me as well. Now, do I think that he's a bad coach? No, I think he could definitely be a good assistant coach. Um you talked about his you know, just that persona that he has, that leadership, that voice that he has. I think that could definitely be channeled in a better way for him to be an assistant coach. I don't think necessarily that he was a fit to be a head coach. Um, you know, being a head coach entails a lot more than just being that locker room guy. Uh, whereas if he was an assistant, I think he could do what he does best. Um, so I was not surprised at all by his firing. Um, and I think uh, I, I supported it because of the fact that Atlanta was clearly underachieving at this point um and you know Nate McMillan I think is that stopgap guy he he's shown he can get teams to the playoffs but I never really considered him to be a great coach either so clearly Atlanta's on the move to find that next guy who can help this uh transitioning team from a you know a rebuilding team into a hopeful playoff team
0: yeah i mean look i i'm not surprised that like, he got fired i think it's most mainly how like, the timing of it is a little weird to me because it's like you now have to put Nate McMillan in there who also doesn't have a great track record. So the timing really didn't make a ton of sense to me, but you know, it is what it is at this point. I just didn't like the treatment of how he got treated on his way out of Atlanta, which honestly, I don't think he deserved that, which it is what it is now. But yeah, that'll had to be mentioned. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show and all the various podcasting platforms you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up, letter N, under podcast, facebook.com slash upandunderpodcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction to news or trades as they occur. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts about every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen to the full thing, you can read about it on our website. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And, yeah, man, we're at the all-star break. Trade deadline is very, very soon. And then, yeah, then it's going to be the final stretch of the season. So <laughs> stay tuned, man. We got we got a lot more content coming. So with that, that concludes this week's episode. we see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy. <laughs> Thank you.